Father, you know that it is more easy to sing these things than to really live them. So we pray that our lives would live louder than the songs we sing. Grant us by the blood of Christ clean hands. Help us, Lord, to surrender in such a way that really does show that you are Lord and Savior. Give us the ability as we study the word to turn our eyes from evil things and to not worship fake, false, phony gods, but the one true God. For this is why we are here tonight. Not to be entertained, not to get some tickled inspiration. But we want God Almighty. We want Jesus Christ. We want you. So continue now, Lord, to grab our attention if you don't have it just yet. Draw us in. Open our eyes to behold wondrous things from your law. Ready us, Lord, we pray. Amen. Here we go. Acts chapter 27. Paul sails for Rome. Verse 1. And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some of the other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustine cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship of Adramidium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day, we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him a leave to go uh, to his friends and be cared for. But putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. And when we had sailed across the open sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra and Lycia, there, um, there, the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off Snidus. And as the wind did not allow us to go farther, we sailed under the lee of Crete to Salmon, coasting along it with difficulty. We came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lassia. Since much time had passed... And the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over. Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be injury and much loss, and not only of the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. But the centurion paid, no, uh, paid more attention to the pilot than the owner, um, and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. Because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest and spent the winter there. Take a breath. Oh, ready? Commercial break. Back in. Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along, running under the lee of the small island called Kauda. We managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. And after hoisting it up, they used supports and to undergird the ship. And then fearing that they would run the ground of the, um, on the Sirtis, uh, they lowered the gear. And thus, they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they drew the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands and when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no tempest lay, no small tempest laid on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. And since they'd been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not set sail from Crete and incurred this injury loss. Yet now I urge you, take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart. Men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as, he, um, as I have been told. But we must run aground on, the same, on some island. And when the 14th night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land, and so they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. And a little farther on, they took another sounding again and, and 15 fathoms. And fearing that we might run into the rocks, they let down a 
four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, they lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow. Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these men stay on the ship, you cannot be saved. And the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship boat and let it go. As day was about to draw to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength. For not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and, and, um, and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they'd eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Now, when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea and sometime losing the ropes that tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach, but striking a reef. They ran the vessel aground, and the bow struck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the turf, the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away from escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, he kept them from carrying out the plan. He ordered those who could, not, um, who could swim to jump um, overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on the planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to the land. God bless the reading of your word, bless our observation time, and allow us to really study and learn. God, help us, help me to be faithful to your word in the text. Help us to see what's actually in there and to faithfully read it and apply it to our lives because I do believe, God, in this moment, I don't know all the specifics and peculiarities of every soul's life right now and those even online listening or maybe uh, the brother or sisters that's going to listen to this at a later time of life but i would imagine that perhaps by by your grace and sovereignty if they're listening to this tonight that maybe there's souls in the room that are going through some really tough times right now they're sailing through a storm and it's hard and it seems to get worse and they don't know when it's going to be over And so if there's any soul in the house that is suffering in such a way, we even think of the Dwarts who are in somewhat of a storm right now. Oh God, that you would help us to shine. And help us to shine in such a way that those around us that don't know you would see our good works and give glory to the Father who's in heaven. Help us to shine in such a way that we too, like Paul, can say, I have faith in God. So lead us as we study. Keep us alert in Christ's name. So it did take a long time in 26. I will, I'm not going to try and race and be fast. I don't want to lose anybody. I'll just confess this to you at the outset. This is my weakness in preaching. I have a hard time preaching overview, big portions of scripture. I like just little chunks. You know that. Um, But I'm going to do my best, even though I'm going to keep myself from getting caught up in the weeds of the the text tonight. And I just want to kind of stay a little bit elevated over the text. I'm going to give some 35,000 foot view and pull out some truths that I really hope and pray that will help the person that is in a storm tonight. Um, You know, something I love about what Luke is doing in chapter 26 is he talks heavily. He portrays Paul heavily as someone who's a man of faith, but he's preaching it, right? A lot of talking from Paul in in chapter 26. He's obviously uh, speaking the, the faith, evangelism, right? Fishers of men. We saw a lot of that in 26. Chapter 27, Luke kind of paints a different side of Paul. There's not a lot of Paul's talking. It's actually very little, but we see a lot of his life. So Paul is a man who doesn't just preach about faith in God. Chapter 27, he's a man who lives the faith. I mean, he lives it. And we're going to see, we saw in this episode as we're reading it, he's living it 
on a boat with just under 300 non-believers. Right? Let me just paint the scenario as we read it already. Imagine, though, now, you know, Paul is on his way to Rome, and we know that God said he's going to go to Rome. A few chapters before this, chapter 19 and 21, the Lord told him, you're going to Rome already. And so he's getting on the ship. He knows he got to go to Rome because he's going to preach the gospel there. But on the way there, it's dangerous. It's disastrous. It's difficult. It's dark. It says that there was no sun, stars, nothing. Um, and not just the creation aspect of this whole episode is dark. Guys, he's on a, he's on a boat with just under 300 prisoners and Roman soldiers. Him, Luke, and Aristarchus are probably the only believers on that boat. So I want you to imagine this, the spiritual darkness on this ship. Like, I don't know, like, like this is not a cruise. And he's not on this big ship and there's people just walking around, like smiling. You know, even, you know, I mean, it's going to be a storm, but I want you to imagine even just the, the emotional storm. I mean, these, these prisoners, they're being shipped over probably to be gladiators, um, to just be executed as sport. Uh, in Rome. So I want you to imagine the vibe of the men on that boat. They're already depressed. They're already distraught. They're already filled with anger, rage. Some of these prisoners are probably criminals. Can you imagine the type of sin that was just soak, soaking up on that ship? So, so we really got to actually get the, the weight and the gravity of this storm. It's not just a physical storm. It's a spiritual storm. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of darkness. I don't know about you, but you ever been in a room? Maybe you guys are at school or at work, or you're just hanging out somewhere. You're at the beach, and everyone that's camped up or set up around you, you can overhear what they're saying and the things that they're going through, and you just overhear, like, oh, so-and-so is cheating on so-and-so. No, no, no. I'm going to kill this guy. No, no, no. Oh, pass the blood. They don't know. You just, you hear it all, the commotion going around, and you just feel like, Man, I am in a dark place. I mean, Hawaii, as beautiful as Hawaii is, it's dark here, guys. It's super dark. Don't be fooled. Now, here's the thing, though. The darker it gets, the brighter a light shines. The brighter a light shines. See, we're not going to hear a lot of Paul preaching or teaching tonight, but we're going to see a lot of his living. He's in the same boat, the same circumstance, the same darkness as all of these other prisoners and soldiers. They're not believers. They're Gohim. They're Gentiles. They, don't, they worship gods. They're probably very, very, um, you know, uh, idolatrous. Paul, Luke, Aristarchus are the only three dudes on that ship that know and worship and belong to the one true God. They are Christians. They're the Christians on that boat. They are the light of the world. Jesus, John 1, in, you know, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the word became flesh. Light shines in the darkness. John the Baptist says he's the light. Jesus is the light that's coming into the world. So if you are a Christian tonight, if your faith is in Christ and what he did on the cross you trust and believe that he came, he lived perfect, he died, he broke from the tomb, he ascended, he called you to repentance, and you put your faith in him? I don't care what kind of background or history you have, whatever baggage you have, just like Paul, who is a persecutor, you trust that? Guess what? Christ abides in you. You now are, Matthew 5, the light of the world. That's Matthew 5, 13 to 16. So when you are, if you and I are truly light guys, like you are it, not you, you turn it on like when flashlight here and there, you can turn them off and on. No, you, you is it, right? Then when you are in darkness, you cannot help but shine. Paul through this whole story, and we're going to cruise, we're going to, how about we're going to sail through the scriptures, you know, we're going to sail through this thing. Um, and in the storm, I want to point out some highlights of Paul Shining and how he shines. Because that's who we are in Christ, brothers and sisters. You are meant to shine. He didn't save you just to save you. He saved you to send you. Paul is on, he's sending. He's being sent. He's going to Rome. And even on the way, he's still going to be, I'm going to love whoever's around me. This little light of mine is not so little. It's ferocious. Jesus is a fire in my bones. 
And I can't help but let it shine. It's who I, it's who we are. You are children of light, Paul says to us in Ephesians. So my hope and my prayer is as we walk through this, as we sail through this scripture right here, we're going to be talking about the storm, but how we as Christians are to shine in the storm. And I'm going to make one more plea and argument with this text to you guys is someone in your life right now, right now, and I'm speaking right now, there are people in your life, whether they're family members, coworkers, brothers, sisters, aunties, uncles, uh, classmates, um, your own rec circles, uh, whether you, you surf, your surf buddies or whatever buddies, there are people in your boat in your season of life that you're sailing through right now. And they desperately need you to shine. These 276 guys, they had no clue. And when they were getting on that boat, that this, this ship is going to, this, 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 this sail is going to change my life. They had no clue. They were all in darkness going nowhere to the death. And they had no clue that a child of God, three children of God was on this boat with them. And oh, they let it shine. Someone needs to see a Christian suffer through the storm and shine so bright that they say, what is that? We're going to walk through this. We'll take it a chunk at a time. But guys, I'm going to plead with you. Listen, because there are people in darkness. We all live in this dark same world. And for us season, this ship will, will dock soon. Your life will come to an end. This storm that we're all going through in this world, it's going to come to a close. But while we're on our way there, I'm pleading with you, shine. And we're going to see tonight how Paul shines. And by the grace of God, I'll read it to us. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. First chunk we're going to look at, verse 1 through 3, okay? It reads, they decided that we should sail for Italy. Right, So this is just right after right? he preached to the kings and the governors. He put the gospel out there and it seemed like a no-go. And now it's like, okay, on to Rome. Finally, at last. It's been a, I've been waiting for this. They delivered Paul and some of the other prisoners. Now, I mentioned that in observation time. Now, just imagine now in your mind, okay, there's a boat. And now, okay, boop, Paul's on there. Right? And now there's prisoners. Boop, 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 boop. Okay? Just imagine. And these prisoners, they're probably going to be executed they're gonna probably be gladiators rough backgrounds whatever and then now there's a centurion of the augustine cohort named julius okay so put julius there Bloop. and embarking in a ship of adramidium now this ship is just one of those kind of along the the seacoast ships they're probably cruising down looking for a better boat to actually do the big one um but let's keep going and about to sail to the ports along the coast of asia then we put to sea accompanied by aristarchus now bloop, put aristarchus there he is a believer uh, he suffered with Paul, um, so that's a brother. So you got Paul, Aristarchus, and Luke, Christians, on the board. Macedonian from Thessalonica. Now, the next day, we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. Now, I just want to mention this because it's just a cool, neat little verse. Um, how's that by, the, um, by Julius to, like, treat Paul so kindly? And he's like, hey, you know, we're going to stop over here. You got friends, right? Go cruise with the boys or go, go, go get some friends. I just want a little, little thing in here. I just want to throw it out. I don't want to get cut in the weeds too much. But praise God for Christian friendships. Um, we're all going through the storms of this life. And if you, church is a great place to find friends. But guys, I just want to throw this out there really quick. Embrace that. Embrace the friendships that you have in Christ. And God in his goodness and providence allowed Paul to be cared for by his Christian friends. Okay, let's just keep going. But here's the point for this first three verses that I want us to see that the Lord determines who's in the boat with you for every season and sail of life. I know that's long and wordy, but I want to read it again. The Lord determines who's in the boat with you for every season and sail of life. 
Acts 17, 26 to 27, it says this, that he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. And he determined the allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. And he did this, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way out for him, find him though he's not actually far from each one of us. You know what that tells me? Pause right now in this moment, just look around, whether you know each other or not. These are the people that God is putting in your midst right now in this particular season of life. I just need you to understand that the Bible teaches us that God's determining that. It says he determined the exact boundaries where people would meet and live for how long they were together and how little. God is sovereignly orchestrating every individual that's going to be on this particular ship. God knows a storm's coming. These guys don't know. They're hoping to dodge it. So do you think our God is that sloppy in the details when he's a God who numbers our hair? He knows when we sit, when we rise, where we go. Like, it's crazy to me that every boat, every season, every sail of my life. So I think of my cakey time, all my childhood friends, the ones I ran around with. Um, I think of the schools I went to. I went to four different ones before I graduated. Sorry for later. Um, all the sports I played, all the people that were in my sphere of vicinity right there, every job I had and how long and how little I had it. God was determining all of that. Every little, every little sail. And he knew exactly who's going to be in my, my boat for that season. And he knows for you. Now, I want to take time to set that because this is building up to God wants whoever's going to be on this boat to see Paul shine to hear of the glory of God and to be convinced that he worships the one true God. So I want you to think now about that because I don't know if you and I pray or think or imagine our coworker friends or our friends here or my surf, whatever here, or my, your, your friend groups here. I don't know if we, I don't know if we're there to actually believe and know like, man, no, you sovereignly placed this individual in my contacts. Like I'm hanging with this person a lot more now than before for a reason. There's a reason you're all, we're all together right here, right now, 2022 in New Orleans Baptist Church tonight. And I believe that with all my heart because the Bible says he is placing people around you in every season of life. Don't treat that lightly. See, when these guys was docking the ship, you know what was probably on their minds? Let's just get this over with. I'd rather die now, whatever. I don't know what was going on in their mind. Or, oh, I don't deserve this. Or what? They're prisoners, soldiers. I don't know. But I wonder, let's imagine a little bit. What was going on in Paul's mind when he docked the ship and he looked at the passengers coming on board? What was going on in Luke's mind, Aristarchus's mind, who know of the sovereign God and that he makes no mistakes? Can you imagine Paul sitting there looking at all these rugged prisoners thinking, of course. You know, 100 people, 150 soldiers coming in. Oh, of course. Oh, we're going to switch ships? Oh, a bigger ship? Oh, of course. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just playing with it. I'm just imagining. But I wonder if Paul was already with Luke and Aristarchus praying for these people on ship. Think about it. Let's keep moving. The next chunk is verse four through nine. So the first thing that we saw was the Lord determines who's on the boat with you in every season and sail of life. I pray you never look at your spheres of influence the same ever again. God put them there. Even the people you're sitting next to who's behind you, God has sovereignly placed them there right now. Verse four through nine, he says, now putting out to sea, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds, now I want to highlight these things, winds against us. Verse 5, we sailed a little bit more across the sea. Um, Cilicia, Pamphylia, and then we get to Myra, which is kind of like probably the transfer spot. And that's where the centurion, he found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy. So they switched ships. They went on another one, which was probably bigger. Now I want us to notice things. We sailed slowly for a number of days we arrived with difficulty. The wind did not allow us to go farther. Verse 8, coasting with difficulty. Why is Luke using these words so heavily right now? We came to a place called Fair Havens, and near was the city of Lycia. And 
Look at this again. Much time had passed. The voyage is dangerous. We talked already about the, the day of fast and how everyone knows that this is not the best time to sail. It's, it's going to get crazy. Here's the thing I want us to see. Here's the point. The Lord determines how long the season and how tough the storm. Notice he says things. Much time has passed. We sailed slowly. The wind is against us. Understand this. God is the God of creation. He's in control of all this. They, if the conditions were good, this would have been a four to five week sail. This turns into a four month voyage. Should have been four weeks, maybe five. Four months now. We got to see this as as, 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 study, uh, as students of the word, God is in control of this. And he's determining how long the season and how tough the storm. It was like a strong wind and then a stronger wind. So strong, they, they had to actually let it kind of just take them. Luke is making this very clear and obvious for us. I have a question for us tonight. Are there tough, is there some tough stuff you're sailing through right now and it keeps getting delayed longer and longer and longer. You got to wait longer and longer. And then as you wait longer, it gets harder and harder, more turbulent, more stressful. You've been there. Are you there? Then I want to plead with you and let you know and remind you that no matter how dreadful and difficult and tough and long this stormy season is for you, whatever that is. And I want to say this with compassion because I don't know the types of sufferings you're, you're embracing tonight or you're just having to. They have no choice. They're on this boat. They got to go with this. God put them there. And God's in control of this storm. But I want to, I want to let you know that this season will come to pass. God is in control. He determines how long. Psalm 107, verse 25, it says, He commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves. Luke 8, 25, who then is this that commands even the winds and the water that they obey him? So that's text of creation that God is in control of even the swells and the wind and the gust. Right before I came down here to service, I thought how epic it was that I'm going to be preaching on a storm tonight and I hear thunder. You heard the thunder this afternoon? And I thought to myself, Wow. But God, in that moment, as I heard the thunder sitting there in the cemetery, I'm like, you sent that. You're in control of that. But guys, God not only is in control of the, the physical creation uh, conditions around us, he's also con in control of the storms that you're going through inwardly. Listen to this, Psalm 46, 9. He makes wars seize to the end of the earth, and he breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. Verse 10, be still. So whether it's creation storms or storms of wars and political storms and government storms or chaotic storms that you see on TV or in your household, there's abuse, there's drama, in your friends, there's just fighting and there's all kinds of storms and wreckage right now. And in your very own soul, you're weary, you're tired, wind is getting stronger, be still and know. That he is God. And he knows exactly how long this will last. And he knows when it will cease. And he has every ability to cause that thing to quell. I keep coming back to this because it was just live for us tonight when Lauren went down. And they rushed to the ER. And right now in this moment, they're in the heat of whatever storm they're going through. Oh, that Lauren's heart, that our hearts would know. God is in control of this. He knows how long, how painful, and it will come to pass. So in the midst of the storm, I plead with you, be still, know that he's God. He knows how long this will last, and he knows how tough it'll get. Next chunk I want us to tackle, verse 10 to 25. I'm just going to highlight some things. So here we go, verse 10, Paul's advising them, okay, sirs, I perceive the voyage is going to be a nuts one, right? Right? Um, but verse 11, the centurion pays 
more attention to the pilot and the owner of the ship. So he kind of just disregards Paul's advice. He ignores him. Say, like, okay, thanks for sharing, Paul, but you know, I'm going to go with the, these guys. Um, majority decides, verse 12. Verse 13. South wind blew gently, called, for, called the Northeaster, struck down from the land. Verse 15. Ship was caught up, could not face the wind. Yeah, I want you to see the escalade. Verse 16, they're fearing now that they'd run aground. Uh, verse 18, we were violently storm-tossed. Verse 19, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. It's getting worse. Verse 20, neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. That's a season of darkness. You see how it just went from okay, kind of difficult to like, it's drastically getting worse. No small tempest lay on us. Now, I want you to see this. Look at this in verse 20. All hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. That is a sad verse. All hope. If you ain't got hope, friend, what do you got? These prisoners are already depressed with their, their, their lot of life. Now they're in a storm. Whatever little bit of shred of hope they have, it's got, they are depressed right now. This is a sad scripture. I would say, I would argue this, this in this moment, if there's going to be a suicidal moment on the boat, this is the moment. I got no hope. I don't know if you've sat with people in that state of mind. I have many. They're at that point. They're at that moment. I'm done. Finish this. I hate this pain. There's no purpose there's no reason i want my life over i want you i want us to imagine the the vibe and the atmosphere of the ship in that very moment in verse 20 they're toughing it out it's getting worse it's getting worse they're struggling with all this internal darkness and now this external darkness there's not even the stars shining on us there's not even a moon it's just pitch black in the midst of a hurricane just imagine the world of emotions they're going through and then luke records all hope of being saved abandoned. It gets worse. Verse 21. They've been without food for a long time. They're hungry. And they're hurting. Everything in their spirit says, I'm done. You ever been that exhausted? Maybe it's not even you, the primary person that's at that point, but you ever have a loved one or someone near, near you that's going through that? You look in their eyes and you see nothing but darkness. So can you imagine almost 300 people on a ship feeling like that? That's a heavy verse right there. All hope? Gone? Starving? This is the darkest moment of this voyage. Now, Paul, Luke, and Aristarchus, same boat, same circumstance, same situation. Let's see them shine. Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me. Now, when I first read that, it sounded like he was saying, told you so, right? It sounded like, a, like, a, like almost like a condescending, like, nobody, nobody like listened to me yet? No, but I don't, I don't believe that that's Paul's heart here. I do think he's trying to retract and bring back that he did give advice in, the, in order to build a sense of credibility. Like, you should have listened to me and have not sail, set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Meaning, I, I tried to speak to you, and I, tr I tried to forewarn. Um, it would have been wise to listen to that. But he doesn't carry on and say, good for you. This is what you get. Now we're, And he doesn't add to the despair. What does he do? Verse 22. Yet now I urge you, take heart. I love that verse. And he says it twice. I'm sorry.
because if, if you've ever sat with people in the midst of despair and they're lifeless and hopeless, to have the strength to look them in the eye and give words of life. Take heart, be of courage, strengthen your insides. That is a powerful thing. And he's not just speaking from his heart. He's in the boat with them. He's in the same circumstance with them. Well done, Paul. He doesn't complain. He doesn't add to the grumbling that was probably happening on the ship. He wasn't crying out, raising his fist at God. He said, take heart. And then he says, there will be no loss of life among you, only the ship. Verse 23, he says, this very night there stood before me an angel of, of God to whom, now notice what he says. Here we go. He doesn't speak much in this text, but he, when he speaks, it's powerful. An angel, a message, a word of God. And then he says, I belong, whom I belong. He wants to make this known. I belong to God. I don't know what gods you worship, what pagan idols you guys bow down to, but I want you to know that I worship, I belong to the one true God. He's shining, guys. I belong to God, to whom I worship. And then he said, he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. And then he says it again to them. So take heart, men. This is huge. For I have faith in God. You see how he's shining here tonight, church? He's not shining by speaking some positive words to people. He's not on the ship and they're in this darkness and he's saying, just cheer up, chin up, buck up, buddy. It's going to be okay, all right? Just relax. He's not trying to use positivity to, to boost them up. What does he do? He ascribes to God. God is real. And I worship the one true God. And I belong to him. And I have faith in God. I have faith in the word of God. You know what he's doing right now? He's shining. Here's the point. The Lord sends his saints through storms to shine. You and I, sometimes we want out of the storm so bad. You hate the suffering. And I empathize with that. Lament over that with you. It's rightful to... To, to be painful, to be in pain. But here, when James says, I want you to count it all joy when you're in trial. You know how you count it joy? One of the ways is which you realize you embrace the storm because you know God's, God put you there. It's not an accident. He's sending you into the storm. This isn't the first time the Lord Jesus sends his disciples into a storm. You know the stories in the Gospels, right? He sends the boys across. He's like, okay, sail ahead. Yeah, I'm going to go up on the mountains. You go ahead. Jesus goes up on the mountain. He's praying. He looks at them. And then right in the middle of the lake, the storm comes. That wasn't accidental. He did that on purpose. It's just in that story, he needed them to learn that he is the one true God. Paul, in this storm, he knows he's the one true God. And he's ascribing to God. And he's shining. One of the ways that I find great joy in the sufferings and the storms of my own personal life is knowing that perhaps one of the reasons I'm in that storm and I need to suffer a little bit longer is because this is the best way in which God can shine the glory of the gospel of Christ through me. I don't know about you, but it's people that I look up to that I see walk through the hardest sufferings. And yet they look to God and say, I have faith in God. It just fills my soul. You know, I went surfing with my good friend who's a, who just is, is still mourning the loss of her husband, one of my good friends. And we're surfing today where we, where we scattered, she scattered his ashes just two days ago. And we're surfing in that same lineup and I'm looking at her in the eye. And I'm like, you know, your joy, your strength, your hunger to say, can you give me those books, Chris? Um, I, I want to learn more about God. I need something to read right now. I just, I got a lot more time, you know. Husband's gone and I just need to fill some time. And I look at her with that strength and I say, thank you so much. 
You're in the middle of a storm right now. You should be, you, you, it'd be right for you to be down in the dumps. I wouldn't argue against that. But look at you with this strength and this grace. And you're, you're shining on me right now. You're encouraging me right now. Brothers and sisters, there may be someone very near to you right now in your life. There may be people in darkness right now that they so badly need a saint to shine. They need to see a Christian suffer well. It's one thing to go out and evangelize and tell people about the abundant life of Jesus Christ. And call them to repentance and say, he is the way, the truth, and life. And he, he is the treasure and the joy of our hearts. It's one thing to say that. But then when they see you in a very similar situation that they've walked through, they see you nursing your family member with cancer. They see you, you know, um, taking all the beatings and the, 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 the backstabbings at work. And you're not gossiping back at your coworkers or your boss. And you're, you're just, you're actually praying for them. And you're, you're carrying yourself with just such grace. People in darkness need to see that. And this is what Paul is embodying so beautifully on the ship. Can you imagine the prisoners when they heard Paul say that and the way he said it, and then later they're going to see him give thanks to God? Can you imagine? That's a head turner. When, when I say you're called to shine, you know what I'm saying too? You're called to, to be a head turner. You know what a head turner is? Head turner is like, I'm the person. That's a head turner. You know? You're just like, what? You know, they just grab your attention and you're just like, you can't, you're, you're compelled, you're mesmerized by them. See, in this dark world, guys, Christians, we're salt, we're light. We're, we're supposed to be strange. We're supposed to be peculiar. We're supposed to be like nothing's ever, no one's ever seen that before. People in darkness, blind people, they don't, they don't get that. But until they've met you, until you were in their boat. And then there's going to be the moments, the darkest moments of life that you will just be in proximity with them. And you're going to shine. Last chunk, the close, 26 to the end. So we saw that the Lord determines how long the season and the tough storm. The Lord sends the saints through the storms in order to shine. And here we go to close out verse 26 to 44. He says, you know, we got to run aground. They took a sounding. They started dropping anchors, trying to stop and slow down the ship. Um, guys on the ship were starting like, okay, let's abandon, let's get out of here. Um, Paul said to the centurion, okay, unless these guys stay on the ship, we cannot be saved. And so now they're listening to Paul, right? Everything he get, all the advice he gives, oh, oh, cut, cut it, cut it, you know. Um, he went. He's he's totally the leader of this voyage now. Um, verse thirty-four, he encourages them again. I urge you take some food. It'll give you strength. And he reminds them, not a hair is to perish from the head. Of any of you, he's reminding them of the word that he's received from God. Verse 35, when he said these things, he took bread. He gave thanks to God. This is another, he's shining so bright right now. In the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. I love Paul's, guys, remember, this is a whole ship of non-believers. He's just, just unashamedly worshiping his God right now. I'm such a coward. Don't we struggle with cowardice? We, we get a hard time praying for our food in public. Let's pray. Yeah. Let's pray. Pray that, pray that long. No, you know, I don't know. Like, we, we have a hard time, some of us, right? Paul is shining. He's got their attention. He's ascribing to God. He's giving glory to God. Verse 36, they're encouraged. They start to eat. 276 persons. Seems like things are going good. And then look, boom, another one. Um, verse 41, striking a reef. The bow struck. It's unmovable. It's getting broken up by the surface. And then look, another situation comes. The soldiers are planning to kill some of the prisoners. And the reason why they're doing that is probably because if any prisoner gets away, the soldier gets sentenced. So all through this narrative, there's moments of like, if any of that happened, if they killed any of the prisoners, then God's word didn't come to pass. If the prisoner gets away and then the soldiers got to get killed, God's word doesn't get come to pass. God promised that nobody would perish on this boat. So you see these moments where there's 
Paul is like, oh my gosh, is this, is, is this going to happen? Are we going to actually make it? And all these moments where he could have doubted, he could have, he probably struggled and wrestled with clinging on to that word, that promise God gave him. And look at this, verse 43, the centurion wishing to save Paul kept him from carrying out the plan. So that was, that was even in God's providence, just moving through the centurion. Here's the phrase that I want us to see in closing. The last verse, the last sentence. And so it was that all were brought safely to the land. Why is that so big? Because that's exactly what God said would happen. See, through the storm, brothers and sisters, here's the point. Anchor your soul in the promises of God. Anchor it. Hebrews speaks of this with God's certainty in his promises. It's impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that's set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. The promises of God. Think about that. God's promise. All sorts of people can make all sorts of promises. The most well-intended people, the people who love you so much, I can promise you this and promise you that. But no matter how good and, and certain of the, 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 that person is, not all people can always guarantee their promises. You and I both know what it's like to have been given a promise and it doesn't come to pass. They failed, they flopped, they fluked it. They didn't keep that oath. They broke that vow. They were unfaithful. They didn't show up on time. They didn't take you out. They, they stood you up. They didn't call back. Whatever the promises were. But God, Hebrews 6 says, God cannot lie. Oh, that makes, that makes me love the promises of God. If you get a promise from God, it's guaranteed. You can bank your life on it. You can sit on it, rest on it, know it. How did Paul shine through this storm? He anchored his soul in the promises of God. Not a hair will fall from your head because God said. See, in the storms of this life, church, this is how we saints are to sail through. Everyone else can pull their hair out. Everyone else can trip about who's president. Everyone else can flip about whoever is this and whoever is that or what's going to happen with creation and global warming. Everyone else can trip. Everyone else can trip. But we have a steady and surefast hope. We have the promises of God and it anchors us. It anchors us. It must. Second Peter 1.4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. I love that Peter calls it precious. You know what's so precious about it? It's from God. I want you to pause right now as we close and just imagine and think of this. I don't know how many promises of God you know, but here's my, my urge of application. Study the promises of God. Study the word of God. This is why we're, so, this is why we're here in a Bible study. We love the word of God. But just imagine God, imagine the Holy, let the Holy Spirit speak this to you. God says to you personally, brother, sister, who you are, where you're at. And he says, Chris, Pat, Brandon, Hannah, Jerish, Tani, you know, I promise you. Fill in the blank with scripture. I promise you. This is from God. His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. And I don't have it here. I'm going to turn there. Let's turn there to close. What is 2 Peter uh, chapter 1? 2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. Verse, uh, let's, ooh, where should we start from? 
Let's start from verse 4. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. This is what Paul is tapping into on the boat. He's divine nature right now. It's just like, who is this guy? Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world. That's the storms of this world. When you get through the storm, anchor your soul in the promises of God. I'm sorry, I lied. One more verse. This one's good. Go to uh, Ephesians, Philippians 2. Last one. This one. Okay, Lord. See, I can make promises. I break them. I'm sorry. But God's promises, he'll never break them, right? Philippians chapter 2. This was so good, okay? Verse 12. It just sums up the whole message so well. We'll go 12 to 16. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Paul could have grumbled. He could have disputed in this storm, but he didn't. That you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, in the midst of a storm, this stormy, dark, twisted life. This time, this generation, many says, among whom you, what's the word? Shine. As lights in the world. How do we shine? Read on. Hold fast to the word of life. Promises of God. We're done. We're in a world of darkness, guys. And we live among a people that are so in the dark and in the dumps. But we have this treasure, right? We have the light of Christ in us, right? We believe in the cross. We believe in resurrection, right? We believe he's the way, the truth, the life. He is hope. He is everything we need for life, right? That's our faith, right? Then we must let it shine. There is a soul out there that's desperate to see you shine. So I commend you and I, and I urge you and I send us out. Go and shine. Shine the light of the gospel of Christ. Let it bleed out of you. Suffer well. Suffer well. Give and ascribe glory and thanks to God in the midst of that, that darkness and suffering. And you just wait and see. You will get that call in the night. You will get that knock on your door. You're going to get that text from your friend, from your from whoever it is, and they're going to ask you, how are you the way you are? What makes you tick? What are you on? What are you smoking? Whatever it is they're going to say to you. I've had people say that to me. What are you smoking, Chris? You really want to know? You really want to know? And that's the moment. We go back to chapter 26, fishes of men, cast your net and draw it. Amen? Let our light so shine. That they'll see not just our good words, our good deeds. Praise the Father who's in heaven. I'm going to close. I'm going to do this in closing. Instead of closing in a song, Trevor's usually here. Um, I'm going to close in just prayer. But before I close this in prayer, I want to leave a space right now. I'm going to leave a space for you and I to think, to take in the word that we've just heard. But I do want to encourage and, and urge you to pray in two ways. One, maybe you're the prisoner on the boat. You're depressed and you're down. You're in the dark. You're in despair tonight. You are loss of hope. I don't, and by the grace of God, you're here. Then I want you to look to Christ, look to the light of Christ. And I want, and I want to encourage you and challenge you. You can pray right now by yourself in your seat, but when this is pal, I really want to urge you, ask someone here to pray for you pray with you. Let them in on that darkness. Because we all got a dark side. We're all struggling with something. Church is not the place you need to show up and put on a front. This is the place you show up broken and hurt and you just let it all bleed out. So, so, so I want to I challenge you in that way if that's you. Another way I want you to pray in this space and apply this text is I want you to think of those who are actually around you. Who's in the boat with you tonight? 
You know, who, who's it, who's, who are people that you know you see all the time? But you, you, just, you just didn't realize, you, you just lost sight that they're in darkness. And then they know you. You're a Christian. He didn't save us to hide us under a bush. You've got to let it shine. So I'm going to leave some space, just a few seconds, a few minutes or so. And then I'll close this. Oh, yeah. Oh, great. Okay. It's femur surgery tonight. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll pray for them to think, oh, Lord. Okay, let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we take this moment to pause, pray that you, Holy Spirit, would deal with us where we're at. Every one of us here, as we pray now, give it all we got. Now is not the time to hide, to be polite. So as the Spirit leads, use this moment to pray for yourself, for others as the Spirit leads. Go ahead and do just that. In this life, you will have trial and tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Through the storms of this life, all the individual storms and boats that we are in tonight, Lord, collectively, you know it all well. You know exactly how long and how difficult it'll be. And amidst the myriad of circumstances that are being prayed of and thought of right now in this room, there's only one light, one answer, one way, one person who will save and deliver. And that is you, our Lord and Savior, our King, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for the brothers and sisters in this room. Thank you for the friendship that is to be had. Pray over this place and space right now that even as we conclude, we'd be led by your spirit to come alongside one another and to, to sail through storms together. Galatians says to carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But how can we do that unless burdens are shared? So pour your spirit out upon us. Give us a fresh vulnerability, a trusting in God through the means of your church and your spirit. And we pray that we would call out to one another tonight, take heart, take heart, take heart. Keep stepping, keep going, keep looking. And we pray that as Lauren prepares for surgery right now, Lord, oh God have mercy. Give the doctors a touch from heaven. Be with his heart, his mind, his soul. Heal him, Lord. Be with the whole Ohana. Show us as a church family how we are to help and support and stand by. Give us wisdom and how to be of aid and to not just um, say we're family, but actually be it. So lead and, and anoint your church this evening to support in the various ways in which we can. But Lord, 
when we say amen, this is not the end. This is the beginning of the next prayer. We believe that as we fellowship now, you're going to be just as active as you were in the midst of preaching and teaching. And so thank you for this time. And thank you that we don't have to sail through the storms of this life alone, but together to the end. See us through now, we pray, through the valley. In Christ's name and all God's children said, amen.